Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we're talking about Black Christmas from 2019, directed by Sophia Tikal, written by April Wolf, starring Imogen Poots, Elise Shannon, and Lily Donahue. This movie is about a group of sorority sisters staying on campus over winter break who are stalked by a cloaked figure. Uh, Ashvin, Imogen Poots. Oh man, you can't tell you how excited I was to see her back on the screen. <laughs> Uh, I think this might be like her second or third movie this year, so it's it's, it's just like rare that I, I get a chance to go to theaters to see her. So nice, thanks. <laughs> um, Merry Christmas! <laughs> Merry Christmas! <laughs> yeah, it's a poots Christmas. Yeah, is she is she growing on you at all? Oh yeah, man. I mean, I've liked her from the get go. I'm just not uh not quite as obsessed as you are. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll send you some clippings and stuff. <laughs> so, from your from your creepy <laughs> stalker room yeah got a whole room dedicated to her <laughs> yeah great way to start out this uh this episode on this <laughs> yeah. ultra woke movie <laughs> true um so this is of course a remake of the 1974 slasher uh black christmas did you know, man, that the uh, the guy that made that movie, the guy that directed it, Bob Clark, also did A Christmas Story? Oh, no kidding. Really? Yeah. And Porky's. Wow. That's yeah. wild. I Isn't thought he would have been like a straight up horror guy. Yeah. Nope. That's, Comedies. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Black Christmas, uh, can you remind me, like, did it have like a part two or part three or did it, did it just go straight to the remakes? Straight to the remakes. Okay. Yeah. Mm, wow. So this is just like a one-off for him? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And so, yeah, there was a remake in 2006 that got pretty bad reviews. I haven't seen it of you. No, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, that was kind of a part of the, a wave of the, uh, like, remake wave of the uh, aughts. Yeah, yeah, I feel like we're coming up on another one of those. Yeah, God, it feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. I think it's like like overlaps in the Venn diagram of the Stephen King resurgence. Oh, yeah. It'd be like 10, 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> Those two just come back. Yeah, That's I've got weird. this like theory in my mind that culture, some part of culture is always obsessed with the stuff that happened 30 years before it, 30 or so years before it, because the 30-somethings are like getting oh. nostalgic and have the disposable in- income to like go see this kind of stuff. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that's probably what it is, the combination of those two things. Like, yeah, Ghostbusters coming back. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. A lot of 80s stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, flying And I think we're slowly getting into, like, 90s revival and stuff, too, so. Yeah. And then, so so then I guess it's a chain reaction where, like, every 30 years are repeating. And then if you're doing remakes every 30 years, then, like, the next 30 years, you're doing remakes of the remakes and and reboots of the reboots. Yeah. It's kind of (laughs) weird. Turns into a ridiculous Russian doll situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully uh, (laughs) you think we'll be doing this in 30 years (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't mind it man this is fun yeah Yeah, I can't think of a better way to spend your 60s yeah Uh, and we'll be if we aren't completely irrelevant now we we will be then (laughs) yeah we still won't won't be nerds (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) like these guys still don't fucking get it (laughs) yeah I know (laughs) Um, all right, man. So 
I I guess we'll have to get into this at some point, but there's just a big cultural discussion happening over this movie. I don't know how much of it you've seen. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, like the main message and everything in the movie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People think it's really heavy-handed and that it's just horrible, and other people are like, if you thought it was bad, it's because you're a misogynist. And oh, yeah. Boy, there's just a lot of stuff swirling around here. Yeah, you know, but but it's cool that the director uh, took that angle and because uh, I mean, yeah, the original Black Christmas didn't really have much of a subtext there, and like in, in this genre of horror films, like that's becoming more and more popular to like have these uh, like you know contemporary or, like current issues uh, reflected. So I, I think that's kind of cool they took an angle. Yeah, I think so too, man. And yeah, social horror does seem to be gaining in momentum. Yeah, or I don't know if that's what you could call it—social horror. Yeah, yeah, horror yeah, movies that, that take on social, societal issues. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, yeah, we've seen so many people do that successfully, so it only makes sense. And this one like feels like very timely with, with what's going on. I thought so too, man. Yeah, I think we might be two of the only people in the world who think that. Uh, uh, what? That's we, not true. That's an extreme. I've just seen oh, so yeah. much like backlash about this movie on Twitter. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they could, uh, yeah, and, and later when we talk about the review, we can, we can talk about how well uh, it's doing it. But I, I think the, the topic, uh, is, we, we can both agree, is, is very relevant. Yeah, right? I agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, so, the, yeah, it, speaking of doing well or not doing well, it was, it's been a bit of a box office failure. Um, I checked the numbers like two days ago. We're recording this a week after its debut. Um, and it was at like seven point five million, which is a pretty weak opening weekend. It had a budget mm-hmm. of five million, which isn't huge. Yeah. Did you? Was your theater crowded? Um, no, it wasn't at all. It was yours? No, I was. The, I went on opening night, and I was the only person in the theater. Wow. Do you think they promoted this one enough? I don't know, man. I mean, I saw it in previews for at least two or three movies over the past few months it was a, there were trailers of it ahead of it in the theater yeah 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 i, I guess uh like I, when i think of like uh, how zombieland 2 was like everywhere in chicago and like on the sides of buses uh yeah black christmas maybe i saw like one trailer here or there but i don't feel like they had too much of like a physical ad campaign anywhere gotcha um i think there was some this movie got some early hate right from the get go once people realized its social message Oh, really? And uh, the famed horror host, Joe Bob Briggs, who's kind of had this resurgence since Shudder has hired him as like a horror host for like his own show there. He like retweeted a tweet. It was like, I missed the 70s slash 80s when movies didn't have a political agenda. Oh, God. And then everyone was kind of on top of him for how dumb it was to say that. And yeah. So there was just like a big cultural conversation, and and Twitter's such a unique space too. Like, I might come on into this episode being like, "Oh God, aren't you sick of the cultural conversation on this?" But like, <laughs> if you're not on Twitter, maybe you haven't seen as much as me. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I hadn't picked up that. I mean, I saw a lot of uh, like, oh, it's got like a forty percent or something on Rotten Tomatoes. It's pretty low, yeah. Do you think uh, people are more upset because it's like a blank, uh, a black f- uh, Christmas reboots, uh, whereas if this was like a standalone independent film that had nothing to do with the franchise, it might have been tolerated more? I think it would have been tolerated more if it was standalone. I think people still would have gotten all up in arms about it, but I do think a lot of people 
are upset that they feel like this Black Christmas title was co-opted for this social message. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess, uh, I mean, Black Christmas, like the original, has got a pretty big cult following, and I guess anytime you're remaking it and like putting a different twist to it, you're kind of putting yourself uh, out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's coming to be a pretty big classic in the slasher genre, and one of the first slashers. So yeah, it's a big. It is a well-respected name that people don't want to see. Yeah. Sullied, air quotes. (laughs) Um, But being that it was one of the first slashers and there's been so much discussion and like so much written on feminism in slasher movies or the lack of, you know, misogyny in slasher movies, like it's been a big topic of debate and essays and books. So I think, why not? Like this is a perfect movie for this kind of story. Yeah, kind yeah, of like what you were saying earlier. Yeah, and uh, it's the, the, the original one. Uh, so I hadn't seen it. I just watched it like two nights before I saw this one, and uh, it is interesting because like I feel like the original one brings it. Uh, like the, the, some of those issues are in there, and like either purposefully, but uh, maybe not so much uh, on purpose. But like there are like I like that your your main character in that one is like a woman who wants to have an abortion, and her boyfriend basically telling her that like she can't do that. And I, I don't know if it was trying to like be, uh, you know, polarizing or like, you know, have a, um, have, have like any, any commentary back then, but it's, it's interesting. Like, cause I feel like the movie kind of naturally lended itself to this evolution. Did, did you pick that up on the first watch of the original? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. The, uh, well, I can't even remember the, how I, f- all I remember from my first watch years ago was really liking it and thinking it was genuinely scary. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I'm, and I've heard people argue like, hey, horror movies have had strong female characters from the get-go. We didn't need this movie to shove it in our faces. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some truth to that. I mean, um, gosh, I can't remember the main character's name from the first one. Uh, she was played by, I think, an actress named Olivia Hussey. And yeah, she was a very strong female lead. And yeah, a big part of her story was the the, the abortion thing. So... Yeah, yeah, it does feel like the the right movie to to adapt in this way. For yeah, me. I, I I wasn't particularly offended by it, even though it seems a lot of people are. Yeah, yeah, I know that's it's weird that someone would get offended by it. Um, but uh, yeah, it, 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 I feel like there were elements in the original that you could tie this back to. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also a big. Some minor uproar about a PG-13 rating, which never really bothers me. I'm fine with a PG-13 rating <laughs> for a horror movie. Yeah, I saw something that there was an R version first, um, but then they censored it down to PG-13. And I think the R version might have had better ratings than the PG-13 one. But Yeah, it you... sounds like it was initially filmed as an R. This is what I read for whatever it's worth. Anything about movies on the internet is, is dubious. But it was filmed as an R, tested with a with an audience, like a focus group audience, tested poorly, so they edited it for PG-13, and it tested even worse with the PG-13 rating, <laughs> but at that point, it was that was the movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I want to see that R version. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get that on, on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever the kids are watching these days. <laughs> Um, it, it's interesting, uh, like if, if slashers you always assume are very gory, 
and so you know this one scaled back to PG thirteen, and I don't, I don't feel like it was very gory. In the last few years, you, you've had like Happy Death Day, uh, Final Girls. Um, I, I want to say like one or two other like kind of slide. Do you know if Freddy or not was rated R or PG thirteen? I, I can't remember. That was R. Oh, that was. Oh, okay. Yeah, clearly neither of us have seen it, but I'm pretty sure that was a very over like over the top violent movie. But yeah, man, God, I can't wait to watch that movie. I'm angry at both of us for not having seen it. Yet. <laughs> I know, big miss on both of our parts. My excuse was it came out like two weeks before my kid was born. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'll, I'll think of an excuse by then. That's fantastic. <laughs> I was in my own ready or not mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, but you know that's interesting because yeah, like, if you think about the big slashes from from the last few years, uh, so this one, uh, Happy Death Day one and two, uh, ready or not, I, 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 I'm assuming is kind of a slasher. Um, Your next was like a great slasher. These are all like strong female-driven movies. I, I think that's just become like the nature of slashers lately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think so much of what so much of what could be done with a slasher has already been done. So you've got to mix it up. Yeah, I, there's almost a lot of pressure on a slasher these days. Like, what's 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 your angle then? It's not just right. straight out slasher. Like, it's got to be meta or totally spin it on its head in some way. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Which, say what you will about Terrifier, it it was just a straight up slasher. Oh yeah, yeah, good point. Which was yeah. in a way refreshing. It is, yeah. It's it's cool to see the new directions people are taking slasher films in. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I wish we saw more of that with like some of the other horror genres. Yeah, I'm sure we will. I think, like zombies, I think zombies are starting to get that. Um, are, I are haven't they, seen I... one cut of The Dead yet, but... Uh-huh. I think that takes a different angle with it. And I think zombies have always kind of been ripe for that kind of thing, but yeah. they, they've been hit so hard that people are going to have to start coming up with creative ways to tell a zombie story. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, zombies, ghost vampires, I feel like uh, it, would, it would be good to get some kind of reboot to all those or, yeah, get people to push the boundaries a little bit more the way we're seeing it with slashers. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, anything else on the background of this movie? Oh, it's a... Produced by Blumhouse. Yeah. Notable. Do you know why it was shot in New Zealand? I don't know why it was shot there. That's a good question. Is Imogen... Is she born in the U.S.? Um, I think she's of U.K. descent. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, I don't know why it was shot in New Zealand. Yeah, that seemed random. And then uh, I think it's worth pointing out that she didn't read the script before signing up. Which is something I feel like actors and actresses say um, to imply that they might have made a different decision. <laughs> huh, that's but, interesting. I wonder. Yeah, yeah. Any, yeah. Uh, any, yeah, the director, it's, I, I guess the only other like horror thing maybe that she's done is one of the Into the Dark, which is one of the Blumhouse or Blumhouse productions. That's right. a TV show. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and then April Wolf wrote the script with the director, Sophia Tikal. And she, this is her first feature script, April's. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I read an interview with her where she was just like, yeah, we knew it was over the top and heavy handed, but we were cool with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes uh, that's awesome. That's good for them. Yeah. I was, I was cool with it too. Not to yeah. review the movie right up front, but. <laughs> um, I mean, it's kind of annoying when you have directors that aren't uh, like. I feel like we've seen some movies where they don't take a, a like a strong enough like character like perspective in the movie, and and that can pull away from it. So it's it's nice when you have like that alignment up front. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a uh, it was a sincere like. I want to say balls to the wall. It doesn't feel like the right movie to use that expression, but like <laughs> it was just, like, kind of pedal to the metal. Like yeah. they went with it. Yeah, yeah. Give them props for that. Um, any any connections to Ohio? So the original was directed by Bob Clark, who, as we said, directed a Christmas story. Oh, and yeah. that was shot in Cleveland. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. You, re- you ready to move on to the plot and spoil this movie for everybody if you haven't seen it? Let's do it. All right. Uh, if you don't mind, hold on one second. I, I hear my cat hissing in the other room. Oh, okay. Sure. Okay, man, I'm back. Cool. How's your cat? You know, it's okay. It's been acting really weird lately. It came home the other night with all sorts of strange black goo all over its mouth, and since then it's just been like trying to act really tough and kind of violent. <laughs> it's been yeah. suppressing its emotions and commenting on internet articles a lot. Oh, man. <laughs> just some, just like, going really off on Twitter. Behavior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay, so the plot of this movie... I really liked the opening scene of this movie. Um, um, you, you're talking about the the girl walking home? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Here I go. A young woman is walking home at night on campus, and she starts getting these mysterious texts from the founder of their college, which is a dead person, but it's like a somebody with a screen name that's the founder of the college. And there's this dude like walking behind her and kind of creeping her out. He's on his phone, so maybe he's the one texting her. But then he turns and goes a different direction. She turns back, and there's this cloaked figure in front of her. And we kind of have this cat and mouse game like through this neighborhood she's walking through. There are Christmas decorations everywhere. She goes to a house to ask for help, and the door opens, and it's the cloaked figure. He grabs an icicle and stabs her. And she kind of falls in the snow and makes a snow angel as she's struggling. And then he like drags her body away. And it was just like a really cool shot with the snow and the snow angel and this woman being dragged away. The snow angel is really cool. I'll I'll give you that. That that looks really neat. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, uh, I think this is a great opening scene. Uh, you know, anytime a movie does this, like, uh, you know, have that hook in the beginning, it's, it's always fun. Um, and, and this was like such a relatable, uh, scene that like, I mean, how many, I'm sure a lot of people have like been in this situation, uh, walking home, they're scared. Someone's behind them. Um, I felt like the cloaked figure could have been a lot scarier though. He just kind of like shows up and it's just like, we don't see the face or anything. And, uh, I, I don't know. I, I felt like it could have been like a lot more menacing and scary. Did, did you feel like that at all? I actually liked that. I, I liked that it was so mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like a mysterious <laughs> Uh, cloaked figure is sitting. It, it didn't feel like an active chase or anything, though. Or like, uh, and, and then she opens that door, and and he's uh, like the cloaked figure is there, and uh, just grabs an icicle and just stabs her. I feel like she could have easily run, and, and, and I don't know. It just it felt like like they could have been more scary or like more like running after them, or uh, something like you know get the adrenaline up a little bit more. Yeah, you felt like it just was a kind of a fizzle. A little bit, yeah. Just because, uh, yeah, the, the cloaked figure was just kind of there. And, and slowly, like, attacked her. Gotcha. Uh, 
but uh yeah i, I mean you, you liked uh the, the visuals of this yeah i did i thought it was visually a really cool kill and i liked the setting of the houses all lit up with their christmas decorations yeah once you know it's christmas time yeah um so anyway, then we cut to the the main characters of the story, and we start to get the backstory. Uh, Riley, played by Imogen Poots, and her sorority sisters are getting ready to go to a party before winter break. The party's at a fraternity house. And we learn that Riley has a past with one of the guys from the fraternity. I don't remember if they reveal it right up top, but um, they perform this song and dance there. Very similar to like the Mean Girls Christmas song. Oh, yeah. Um, but then it's revealed midway through the song that they've changed the lyrics to Up on the Housetop to, I think it was like At the Fraternity House. Yeah. Uh, and the, the lyrics are like, I was attacked, and it's all about being raped. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, if we haven't learned it by now, that might be when we learn that Riley was raped by one of the dudes in the fraternity a couple years ago, and nobody believed her, and there were... I think no real consequences for this dude. Maybe he was yeah. kicked out of the frat. I can't remember. Uh, that's what it sounds like. Like he just got yeah. away with that. And it was yeah. Definitely no legal consequences. Yeah. Um, and so they kind of feel like they, they got one over on the frat, like kind of pulled this trick on them and they're all pumped up about it. And while they're at the frat, Riley peeks into a room and sees this weird ritual with the bust of the founder of their college with some like black goo leaking from his eyes and something's happening with the pledges and they're all wearing these creepy robes. And we learn that Riley's best friend, Chris, is already kind of a target of, of dislike, I guess, at, on campus because she recently started a petition to get the bust of the founder moved because he was a known misogynist. And did horrible things to women. And she's also trying to get a professor fired for having only literature by white men on his syllabus. And, that's, and so this... Oh, go ahead. Oh, that, that, that professor is Carrie... Carrie Ewells, yeah. Ewells, yeah. Um, well cast for this role. Yeah. And that is, I think, a thing, a big thing for me and like how I will defend this movie is that, especially Chris, she's like an over the top heavy-handed character Mm -hmm. and like that's her and she feels that's what she has to do so i don't necessarily feel like the movies is as heavy-handed as people are saying it is it's just that the characters are like and this is what the movie's about these characters uh yeah that's that's a good point uh a lot of the yeah i guess that is kind of like her character and like a lot of it's like her narrative on on uh that topic um you don't think that plays out into like the the plot in a heavy way though yeah, I mean, I, I can't say this movie's not heavy-handed. It is, but I do think it's somewhat, like, mu- I don't know. It, it's more understandable knowing the characters' perspectives. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, I, so mm-hmm. Chris and Riley now have a reputation. Riley, because she accused some dude of raping her, and nobody believes her, so they, they feel like these two just kind of stir up trouble. Um, But... The girls recently learned that one of their sisters has gone missing. Uh, Riley's roommate, I think. She was supposed to be home and she's not. Riley got a call from her mom. And we, of course, have seen her roommate get murdered in the house. And, Asha, I don't think you've ever seen The Exorcist 3, right? No. So the scare here where, like, the dude comes up behind her with a rope or something. Oh, yeah. 
Right. And they like the camera kind of zooms in on it. It's like a jump scare. Yep. That's an homage to The Exorcist 3. Uh, no kidding. Same thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. like a, a renowned jump scare. Even though I've never seen the movie, but I've seen clips of this jump scare. Yeah. There, there are like a few kills we, we see going on like in the house, right? And um, I, I feel like they all like kind of cut away. Like none of them like hang out on the kill exactly. Right. And that's a big complaint is that the, the editing gets a little choppy around the kills because, you know, PG-13. Is that why? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah. weird for for a slasher not to like be so explicitly on the slashing. Right. Right. I didn't mind it though. I, I thought the kill scenes were suspenseful. Yeah, the the build up and everything, like you know someone's in the house or like someone's watching them or is about to pop up. Uh right. yeah, that that's kind of where the fun part is. Yeah. Um so all the girls start getting weird, creepy texts on their phone from the same person with the screen name of the founder of their college, Hawthorne College is the name of their school, and the founder's bust is the profile pic for this person. Riley goes to the police saying, hey, my friend is missing and I've been getting these creepy text messages. The police are apathetic and the policeman gives a line from the original where he says something to the effect of 90% of the time the girls are just off somewhere with their boyfriend. And he also says, uh, like, you know, boys will be... Well, you know, which yeah, is so kind of kind of like dismissing your whole case. Yeah. Yep. And an example of what people would call heavy handedness of the movie. But, you know, people say that <laughs> like the, the movie is plausible. The events of the movie are plausible up until the supernatural. Yeah, that, that's that's really interesting because yeah, heavy handed. I feel like it, it might be the wrong term that people are using because, yeah, all, all the stuff is like probably stuff that happens on a day to day basis. Right. And like this movie just like showing like nothing felt like far fetched up until yeah, the supernatural stuff. I don't but, think so either, but people are losing their shit on Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're right. The, all, all, all the stuff so far is pretty natural. Yeah. Um, eventually it becomes clear that someone's in the house and a few of the girls are murdered. Um, and I think it's really badass that the killer has a bow and arrow. Oh, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. So every time we've seen the assailant, it's a cloaked figure, and now it's revealed that there's more than one of them. Um, the three, maybe there's like five girls in the house. We've got like our three main characters, which are Riley, Chris, and this other girl, Marty, and her boyfriend's kind of been around the whole movie. He had previously been kicked out of the house because he was sitting there listening to them talk about this like the effect that their video, the video of their performance had gone viral. And he's like, hey, like you're sitting here like dragging all men through the mud, but all men aren't like that. And he's kind of like ashamed of what they're doing, it seems, or offended Mm -hmm. by it. So Marty gets pissed at him and throws him out of the house. And then he comes back in like during this whole stalker kill sequence. And Riley's like, like, shut up, there's someone in the house. And then we hear this high-pitched ringing, and he covers his ears. And then he gets, like, all macho, and he's like, nobody's going to mess with my girls, and he grabs a hatchet and immediately gets a bow and arrow, or a bow to the chest. Yeah. Did that uh, Did that make sense to you? It did not until later in the movie. Oh, okay. Let's explain that one to me. Yeah, which I, I'll just go into that now, but... Well, no, I'll, I'll explain it later. Um... So Riley and Chris eventually kill one of the assailants in their house, uh, and they realize he's bleeding this tarry black blood. 
and they take off his hood, and under his mask, he's a pledge that Riley saw at the ritual, and his eyes are black. And she recognizes this tarry black substance from the ritual that she saw at the frat house. And ultimately, they go to the frat house and realize that the frat is doing some sort of black magic to turn their pledges into superhuman zombies. I think the bust, when it was removed, they found this, like, spell inside, like, black magic, essentially, to turn women into zombies. No, to turn their pledges into zombies to, like, go kill any women who have stepped out of line. Right. Um, So we have this big grand scene in the fraternity house where Carrie Ewells is kind of giving their whole dastardly plot to Riley. Like, <laughs> they've got a plan to put put men back on top. Yeah, and it's kind of like the, the anti-like Me Too. It's like uh, men taking right. back there. Yeah. The, yeah. Felt really... Is that movement called Incel? Oh, they've named that movement? I think, like, there's a name for this movement of just, like, you know, 30 to 50-something white dudes on their computers getting pissed about women. <laughs> it's called Incel. I think that's the name of it. It's like a terrible name. Yeah. Which, again, <laughs> not crazy far-fetched because yeah, yeah. there's a community of dudes like this. Yeah. Um, but ba- so, basically the premise here is, though, that like the ghost of like this uh, uh, college is coming back and haunting, or I, I guess, what, taking over these bodies to, to bring men back in power? I didn't think that was it. I thought he just, like, had a spell to... Well, I'm not sure. I thought he, like, had some sort of magic to just turn them into, like, slaves and and bring out their true alpha male. Mm. Which, that is what that high-pitched noise was, was the founder calling to men within a certain radius, apparently. Like, so that dude heard that noise and then got, like, all tough. Like, I'm gonna gonna take care of this. Like, nobody messes with my girls. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so these dudes, this frat has Riley prisoner. Just when all seems lost, her best friend Chris, who like she had recently had a had a falling out with, because Chris like didn't believe the supernatural shit she was trying to explain. She gathers some other girls on campus, and they come on come in armed with weapons and essentially just start kicking ass. Riley is facing off with her rapist Brian overtakes him and kills him and then destroys she like gets to the bust of the founder and destroys it breaking the spell chris in the meantime has thrown some sort of torch on the ground and the frat house is ablaze they get mm-hmm. out lock the boys inside and the movie ends with riley gazing into the burning frat house with a satisfied look on her face uh did you stick around for the post credit scene right and that's where my stupid joke was from earlier there's a post credit scene of the cat Claudette licking licking up the black goo. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see that sequel. <laughs> Which what do you think that implies? It, the cat was a my joke was about the the cat turning into a toxic male, but yeah. the cat was a a lady, so Yeah. I don't know if that was like a little in joke of like, oh, what's what's the cat gonna do now with this? Yeah, that's the impression I got, like kinda turning the tables and Yeah. Yeah, yeah amping up the cat. Right. Super cat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. what do you think about this movie, man? What do, what do you like? What don't you like? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that the heavy-handed comments are, are really interesting because you're right. For the most part, uh, I, I think that the movie what did really well is it, it took a a scenario where um, I feel like a lot of women probably feel like they are in today, and a lot of the dialogue and uh, reactions to things was very natural. And I, I like that they played the whole angle of women um, who you know this happens on campuses all the time. Like I feel like at Ohio State it happened where um, you know someone was raped and like the case was kind of dismissed. And, uh, you know, they, they feel like they go unheard. And um, I, I know, like, even, like, when the kill started happening, they were nervous about going to the police. So I feel like they captured a lot of that element really well and, like, the reality of what it's like to be, um, you know, the, yeah, the, in that position today, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. And, like, the cop was, like, basically just, like, dismissing her and not taking her seriously. Yeah. And, yeah, the, the characters... The characters are the way they are because they are like tired of having their truth swept under the rug, and it's about a woman who got raped and nobody believed her and her friends, and they're all young and they've all like been partially shaped by this experience, like, right. And so this is, I think it's, it's not as far fetched. Like, the characters' motivations are realistic to me. Like, yeah. And you have Chris, who's kind of like outspoken about it, and Riley, who's kind of kind of become withdrawn because of what happened to her. Right. Yeah. And like people, I've heard people call those caricatures, but I don't think that they really, I mean, they weren't the most nuanced characters in the world, but right. just, yeah, it's a slasher movie too. So any sort of character development or background (laughs) is way better than 90% of slashers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I I never felt like it was forced or out of nowhere or caricature. I mean, even like that scene where uh, you mentioned the boyfriend is saying like, oh, you can't just put all the men in this. And, and even Riley in that scene is saying like, I don't want to be this fighter and stuff. And it kind of shows like, it was a very interesting conversation that, that they uh, they showed there between like these different personalities and how they're approaching it. Right. And I think they almost maybe got a little bit meta. I don't know if it was purposeful or on accident, like about their own movie. Like, Chris was, like, when the reaction to the YouTube of their performance going viral, Chris was, like, this will inspire people. And Riley was, like, we're not inspiring people. We're just pissing people off. Yeah, right. And that could be kind of just uh, a discussion (laughs) about this movie. Like, is it going to inspire people or is it going to piss people off or both? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, like, so so I I, what kind of rubbed me the wrong way, though, is, like, yeah, this is all real. It's all great but i there's a part of me that felt like um it was being used as a gimmick to prop up like kind of a shitty scary uh movie like hoax like i feel like on its own that storyline is great but then you throw it into black christmas you have like the supernatural thing where men are coming back as like zombies from this ghost who wants men to take over the world or something and and that's where it's like shit we have this like really real uh elements that you know you you have great characters that are like bringing to life this real fear but then you're putting it against this kind of like hokey pokey story and are you then kind of shitting on like the reality of like the situation are you like you delegitimizing the reality there yeah yeah that's 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 kind of uh the, the, the way i felt uh did you did you feel that at all I did not. I understand that feeling, but I think that's kind of what fiction is and can be, is blending very real things with very unreal things. Sure. Um, and that's like what makes fiction great a lot of times, and I think maybe we don't feel like we're there yet, like have this yeah. very real backstory about a woman who was raped and, and harsh realities of our world like blended with 
what I thought was kind of like a fun subplot of these. And it's an interesting question because I know that the writer and the director want you to take this movie seriously, but I also feel like it's kind of fun and not serious at the same time. Like yeah. a cult of men supernaturally trying to take over the world and like bring out the true alpha male in each of their... Yeah. And, it, you know, it's an obvious uh, allusion to the things that are going on today, but I also thought it was just, whether intentional or not, it was a little silly, but I thought in a kind of a fun way. Yeah, you know, that, that, that's interesting, because, yeah, on paper, like, that's cool. You take something very serious, you put something, like, kind of crazy, like, so insane that, like, it, it just kind of uh, um, it makes it a lot more interesting. Um, and I feel like a great example of what you just talked about is Get Out, right, where you have, like, a serious context there, but uh, and then something, like, ridiculous happens at the end, and right. it just kind of, like, adds even more emphasis, which makes me think the issue in this movie might have been the execution, where maybe they were trying to create something similar, but I just didn't feel like it was like zany enough or, or like it was self-aware enough that like it realized like how ridiculous this uh, male like zombie uh, oozing thing from a guy from the 1800s was. It just didn't feel like as silly as it maybe should have. Sure. Right. I, I think Carrie Yule's in there helped because sometimes I feel like he just can't help but be a little over the top. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying. They could have leaned on the ridiculousness of that a little bit more for, for some comedy. Did you like in, in Get Out, you, you have like that line that guy says, well, I, I would have voted for Obama at their time. Or, like they're like iconic moments like that, which right. is kind of like, you know, showed like how self-aware and they were making like fun of this group. Did you feel like this movie had that as well? Um, hmm. I like, don't know. It, I'm trying to like correlate those two things. Like, I feel like they the, just could have made the frat guys like a lot, or spent more time showing like how douchey they were, or um, like even right. like Carrie's character, like ma- making him uh, seem like more of a idiot than he was. But I, I, I don't know things like that. I think they did that a little bit, but just not in a, a comedic way, which probably would have helped. Yeah. Um, vent some of the the ultra serious uh, social commentary right yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right like the, the idea is really cool and I, I appreciate what they're going for but I think on the execution and getting the right tone when you're doing like something that's serious and like something that's going on today and then uh, you know adding something on top of that that brings the horror to it as well as like kind of creates uh, this other level uh, I, I don't feel like they mix it together too well in this one yeah, what about yeah, you? That, that's fair. Um, I I liked it. I thought I thought it was a nice blend. I hear what you're saying, but that didn't bother me as much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did you? And then uh, I mean, how, how do you compare it to like the original Black Christmas? Like, do you feel like it was a good addition to that, or this should have just been like its own thing? I think it's got a nice place as the remake of Black Christmas. Like remakes. I've had a no- my own like complicated feelings with remakes, but there are so many of them now, and like remade in different iterations. It's just like uh, I don't know. I'm getting less attached to the original property and just like fine, yeah. whatever, remake it. I'd rather you do something very outlandish. Yeah. Because if you're just gonna do it over again, then I feel like that is what disrespects the original. Like, no, they already did it and it was really good. Yeah. Um, and I do really like the original. Um. I don't think you're going to get scarier than the original, so like, right. why try? Yeah. I don't think the plot of the original was unique enough or complicated enough to, to try to like do over again with a new spin on it. Like, 
Yeah. It, so this was like not very related to the original other than the core concept of there are some sorority girls who are being killed by somebody right. we don't know. We don't know the the uh, person doing it. Yeah. So I, I kind of would have rather it just went off the rails. And, and like I said, I, I think that doing this with a slasher property is, is the right thing to do just because of the history of slashers kind of being at the center of a feminism or misogyny discussion. Yeah. Yeah. That, that seemed like the right fit. What do you um, think? You nah, just I, recently I, saw the original, so yeah, and I, I was just surprised like how good the original was, and um, right. I think going straight from the original to this, uh, it did feel like like the original had so many good things going to it, uh, like you know it had like the scary phone calls, the a guy coofing down from the attic, uh, and a really interesting ending, nothing supernatural, and like felt like really real, where this one kind of went into you know like the the comedic or like kind of crazy area. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I, I agree with like, you don't want to see a remake that just like tells the same story again. But then at this point, like where you're getting so different, um, and you have like so little in common with the original film, um, why even like call it Black Christmas? Yeah. And I mean, some of that is just, Hey, we're Blumhouse and we've got the rights on this, mm-hmm. on this title. So let's slap it on there. But yeah, I think it, I think it, I like it being attached to Black Christmas actually. And, and the attachment is pretty thin, right? It's like the cat. Um, what 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 else? Uh, oh yeah, being sorority right. girls on campus. The cat was Claude in the first, in the original, and Claudette in this one. Um, oh, the right. cop says a direct quote about like ninety percent of the time it's the girls with their boyfriend. Oh yeah. There were some other, I think, visual Easter eggs, but um, yeah. I either didn't catch or can't remember them. But yeah, the, it's it's pretty light the connection. It kind of bummed me out when, like, a lot of the... They, they were all getting texts versus, like, in the original, you had these, like, scary phone calls going on. And Those then, phone calls are fucking haunting from the oh, original. Oh, yeah. Those are amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That movie is legit scary. It is, yeah. It gets under your skin. Yeah. Uh, and then did you notice in, in this one when she's at, like, the Christmas tree lot, she gets a call, and I think at first, like, they're kind of looting, like, uh, the, the, you're hearing, like, some weird noises, but it turns out just to be static. Oh yeah, that was a, that was a callback too. I kind of liked that. Yeah, yeah, I, I got really excited. I'm like, oh, cool, they're bringing the calls back. But I guess it was just yeah. a nod. Yeah. So then, um, what did you think about the suspense and like the scariness factor? Um, I yeah, I thought it could have been way more. You got these guys wearing robes. Uh, you, you could have had them be a lot more like scary. I, I think all the suspense in this one is just like, where are they hiding? And then once they pop out, um, it's just like over really quick. Um, I, I like to, I think one of my favorite scenes though was when she goes in the attic and she's trying to plug in a light that works and, uh, Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah. And the third one that lights up, like the guy's like right there. I I like that one, but overall I thought it could have been better. What what did you think? I actually liked the suspense. I, I personally feel more suspense when I see less of the kills. Yeah. Yeah. Like Halloween. I mean, think about Halloween it's rated R, but it's really not that gory. Right, yeah. Like, if it wasn't so damn menacing, I'm not sure if it would have even needed a PG-13, needed an R rating. Oh, and if you took the boobs away. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> those, those damn boobs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, the the, 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 the whole suspense is a lot better than the kill. Once you kill someone, it's pretty boring. Yeah. Once they catch someone. <laughs> um, but, like, the, you know, this was, like, Halloween without, like, the scary mask. Like, there was no, like, scary... Uh, visual for like the the villains in this one. I, I didn't think the robes were too scary. Did you? 
I, in general, think a, a cloaked figure or something that is obscured from view is is scary, and it's in its own right. Yeah, and yeah. it keeps you from having to like taking the risks on screwing everything up with a mask that sucks. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, they played it pretty safe, I guess. In that yeah. Okay. Um. All right, man. Well, I had this big. Uh, you know, it's interesting to talk about this with you because I've just like Twitter is. I meant to like research what the demographics are on like most <laughs> Twitter users. It just feels like it's mostly thirty-something dudes on there. Yeah. And just the this movie is just getting utterly trashed on Twitter. Yeah. Um, like people are saying, like, "Hey, there's not a single like likable man in the movie. It's a message that all men suck." <laughs> and I didn't feel that way, yeah. and it doesn't sound like you felt that way. No, yeah, I mean, I I, I applaud it for like doing something different, and uh, I think we need more scary, like yeah, movies like this, like like you mentioned, like show a, a diverse cast with different viewpoints uh, that taps into something that's going on in modern day. That's yeah, seems to be the trend. Like that, that's where a lot of these uh, new directors are focusing. Yeah, and I've seen people tweet like, "Oh, I don't need politics in my horror," but I'm on board for it. I mean, there's enough, there's enough to go around. I, I love fun like popcorn horror and i think social horror can be great too yeah i'm, I'm really liking social horror I, I think it's really cool yeah but all I, right I, well i had this big uh spiel prepared to about these haters on twitter but i'm, I'm kind of oh. glad we didn't even get into it i'm, I'm not going <laughs> to talk anymore about it because because we both agree okay <laughs> well yeah and just because like i yeah i don't want to give it any more attention and it sounds like and i'm sure there are a lot of like Young women loving this movie, praising it on some app that isn't Twitter. I, an yeah. app I've probably never even heard of. So, like, I'm not going to give any more voice to the the little window that I've been seeing. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just makes me wonder, like, what people's real issues is. Is it that, like, that they, they loved Black Christmas and they didn't like that this one took the single? Is it that, like, yeah, they don't want to see a movie about, like, female characters uh, taking back the... Um, yeah, like like taking uh, fighting back against male oppression, right, um, right. And there was a dude I haven't read the article, but a dude wrote an article for Fangoria. That was, the title almost implies like, "Hey, you didn't like this movie because you're a misogynist," uh, yeah. <laughs> which I don't agree with. But I do think that there might be some some like subconscious reasons going on why people gut reacted the way they did this movie and maybe it's just because they're like sick of the cultural conversation or sick of politics in general and, mm-hmm. and don't want to see it in a movie yeah it doesn't make them evil people but yeah yeah but <laughs> yeah I, I was just surprised at how trash this movie this movie got but yeah with that in mind on the scale of oh shit zero to five uh possessed lady cats what do you what do you give this movie Oh man! After trash talking people who trash this movie, uh, I you know for me it's still like I, I feel like the execution was off, and uh, I would I you know I I think the only like strong point of it for me was the uh, that that like female led angle and uh, the, the realistic point, and once it went off the rails into you know how these guys were being transformed and stuff, uh, I, I just felt like it wasn't like being honest anymore, and and it wasn't like funny enough for me. So uh, yeah, I'd probably only give like two female uh, possessed cats or was that was that the, the metric yeah i hate that i chose the, that metric let's say icicles through the heart okay yeah i'd probably give this uh two icicles through the heart what, what right. about you misogynist pig yeah I 
<laughs> no, I mean, I think you make a good point. There, there are plenty of other reasons not to like this movie. It's, it's not a perfect movie. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought, I honestly thought it was suspenseful. I feel like one of the few people that did, and I, I really thought Imogen Peets, Imogen Peets, Imogen Poots <laughs> had a great performance, and I had, I liked the movie. And again, you know, I like always give a half star bump at least for a theater. And even though this was an empty <laughs> theater, it kind of made it nicer for me. I was just the only person in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I gave it four icicles through the heart, and I had a really good time. Wow, that's awesome, man. Glad you had a good time watching it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, anything else before we start to close up shop here? Uh, no, I got nothing. All right. Well, that is all for our discussion on Black Christmas, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it would be great if you could give us a five-star rating or review on iTunes. That helps other people find our show. You can find our social links on our website, horrormovieclub.com, uh, Facebook and Twitter, and currently the one that's unmarked and just looks like a generic uh, link icon is our Discord server where we're talking with horror movie fans and having a nice little time there. So if you want to join that, you can go to our site and click on that link. Our logo is done by Amy May, Amy May Popart. Check her out on Etsy.com. She has great horror-related art, and she will do pop art of your family portraits or photos of your pets, and it's awesome, and I have many of them throughout my home and my extended family's home. Uh, I think that's it. Until next time, if you hear a ringing in your ears, that may be the founder calling to your inner alpha, but most likely you have tinnitus, and you should see a doctor. And uh, happy holidays, everyone. Oh, yeah. Merry... Oh, this comes out on Christmas, dude. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.